Welcome to the St. Andrew Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you believe, or whether you even believe at all, you belong here. Friends, hear now the introduction to the scripture and the following. The Apostle Paul seems to be doing something in chapter 13 that he has done earlier in the book of Romans. On this first Sunday of Advent, at the beginning of the church year, Paul is inviting and reminding the community to live in faithful ways, to live in the constant expectation, the constant expectation of Christ's imminent return. Make no mistake, there is an urgency in Paul's message, noting that readers do not have time for spiritual lethargy because it's getting late in the day. That was certainly true for Paul's Roman audience. While Christ didn't return within their lifetimes, they were living on borrowed time. For it is likely that shortly after Paul wrote this letter, the Roman emperor Nero threw all the Christians out of Rome. Those he didn't kill in that persecution went literally underground. And while those of us gathered here do not live under the same level of threat or immediate persecution like the Romans did, the question of time and how we use it is still something that lingers. Hear now the text from Romans. Romans 13, verses 11 through 14, from the New Revised Standard Updated Edition. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is already the moment for you to awaken from sleep, For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone and the day is near. Let us then throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk decently into the day, not reveling in drunkenness, not in illicit sex or litigiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
I know what you're thinking. I know. Preacher, how long is that beard going to get? <laughs> well, all I can say is imagine something between his current state and Gandalf the Grey from Lord of the Rings. I don't know. But for now, as we enter the season of Advent, just simply allow me to invite you into a time of expectation for a future that has not yet been fully realized. Maybe what you're really thinking this week is, is how can Advent already be here? I know. But here we are, and I admit that I am personally excited. We are finally here. Why not, after all? The season of Advent is often the highlight of any congregation's life. It is a time of joy and color and light and anticipation. And at the same time, Advent is a reminder that there is more to come that we are on a journey towards a new reality, a new way of being. Advent, or adventus in the Latin, is made up of two roots, vinio, which means to come, and ad, which means to. It's more about what is next than what was before. It is less of a remembrance of the first coming of Christ and more of an anticipation of the completion of the promised kingdom. And let me say that Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, without a doubt, as the song says, they are the most wonderful time of the year. But why? It's a fair question. Why? I mean, the giving and receiving of gifts is great and all, the tree, the lights and all that is wonderful. But it has to be more than all that, right? After all, remember what the Grinch discovered? Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, is something a little bit more. As I prayed this week in preparation for this morning, a simple yet profound thought was revealed to me. This season is wonderful because inside of it all, there is this feeling that springs forth in our soul. Even if we don't know where it comes from or why it is there, regardless of who you are or what you believe or even your station in life, Advent and Christmas are seasons that awaken in every living thing a feeling of hope, hope for renewal, hope for peace, hope for an end to needless violence and suffering, hope for finally finding a sense of purpose and belonging, hope. Every single one of us in this sacred space this morning can relate to that, can we not? This desire, this feeling of expectation, it's elemental to being human. Young or poor, rich or old, doesn't matter. We all understand what it means to hope. And as Rev. Mark said at the beginning of the service in the video, the Christmas story is about a promise fulfilled an age-old prophecy come to pass unto the ancients before us and now unto us and everyone who comes after us into every pitch-dark place that ever was, has been, or will be. A light shines eternally in the form of a child given, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace who calls each and every one of us to walk in the light, and the love of God here at the beginning of our journey. Permit me, if you will, to invite you to explore this light and this hope as we all move forward toward the miracle of Christmas morning together. This week, our journey begins with 
maybe an unlikely reading, but it is from perhaps one of the most influential books of the New Testament as it relates to the formation of doctrine and Christian theology, Paul's letter to the Romans. As an aside, my wife asked me yesterday, if I only had three books to read in the whole Bible, what would they be? You ever thought about that? Just three, you can only pick three. You wanna know mine? Deuteronomy, Matthew, and Romans. Romans. Somewhere between 56 and 58 CE, the Apostle Paul did something expected and rather unexpected. He wrote a letter, that's expected. But he wrote it to a community that he had never seen, that he had never visited, to a group of people that he had never met. And I doubt that Paul knew at the time the lasting impact his beautifully complex correspondence would generate through the ages. I wonder if perhaps he knew that in the year 386 CE, a young pagan named Augustine would be converted to the Christian faith by reading only two verses from Romans. Augustine of Hippo would later write of this experience explaining that, quote, I had no wish to read further. There was no need to, for it was as though my heart was filled with a light of confidence and all the shadows of my doubt were swept away. I wonder if Paul knew that 11 centuries later in 1515, the Protestant Reformation would begin with the meditations of a young Augustinian monk, Martin Luther, as he read from what? Romans, a letter that he would soon call, quote, the gate of heaven and later testify that by reading it, he had felt himself, quote, to be reborn and to have gone through the open doors into paradise. I wonder if Paul would have known that two centuries after that, in the year 1738, a young Anglican priest by the name of John Wesley, you might have heard of him, one who would go on to start this whole Methodist movement thing, heard a commentary on Romans written by Martin Luther, read aloud at a meeting, and his life was changed forever. He writes, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And later he would say that I felt I did trust in Christ alone for my salvation. Beloved, however you might encounter this little book, it is hard to doubt the enormous, enormous impact that Romans has had on the history of the Christian church. And I love the way the text begins this morning. I do, I love it. I read it so much. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than it was when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Ugh, light. Those words are bursting with depth and feeling. As Rev. Amy said, there's this sense of urgency that you can feel in Paul's tone. A new day dawns, he says. He's screaming at him. Wake up, get ready, and get busy. You know, my smartphone offers at least 25 alarm options. 25. I counted. It anticipates a variety of morning scenarios. The low-key ringtones for mornings, you have no particular place to go, no definitive to-do list. They have beautiful names like Morning Flower, <laughs> Over the Horizon, Spring of Hope, and my favorite, Blowing Dandelion Seeds. <laughs> it's true. Now for those other kind of mornings, those ones that hold anxiety-producing appointments, 
There are rousing, strident ringtones like basic bell, <laughs> beep, <laughs> and radar. <laughs> then there are those mornings when you have no particular plan and can sleep late. And the appropriate ringtone or lack thereof is snooze. <laughs> now snooze is one function on my smartphone alarm that Paul would definitely not approve of. You see, Paul is adamant that the Roman church wake from sleep. And we as readers within the horizon of the text are exhorted to wake from sleep along with them. A laid back ringtone like blowing dandelion seeds is highly inappropriate for the sense of urgency in this wake up call. Furthermore, Paul's exhortation to wake up, that's nothing new. It comes in the context of a very broad biblical theme of watchfulness and awareness. All the way back to Isaiah in chapter 60, the prophet shouts at the people, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, he says. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes, for all of you, you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do but let us be awake and sober, he says. Admittedly for Paul, some of this urgency comes from his perception that there existed only a short period of time between Christ's first coming and his second. And while that obviously did not happen, Paul's call to us, I think, still holds important wisdom for us to heed. I mean, after all, the call of our faith, whatever it is, is a call to be awake, yes? To be watchful and aware. Paul was right to believe that every moment in time, every moment is rich with divine possibility. He was right to urge his readers to wake from sleep, to pay attention, to be alert to the imminent inbreaking of eternity, as Karl Barth said, within the flux of time happening all around us. I wondered this week, how many people today are just dull? Dull to their own existence, asleep to the possibilities that exist all around them. Karl Barth, my favorite theologian, called the age in which we live, the time of, quote, I love this, the great positive possibility. Why? I mean, I know that seems hard to swallow, given the ebb and flow of events that we witness every day. But for Bart, because the divine love has already conquered, there is, quote, this moment, the now, when past and future stand still. He writes, the former ceases its going and the latter its coming. You see, in this sense, Christ was himself the turning point in time. Now, the past might not be completely finished and gone, but the new, the new has truly come. From this time forth then, this is wonderful, we are invited now to dream along with God of a new heaven, a new earth, a new way of being human, reshaped into God's image as we were supposed to be from the beginning. Loved ones claiming our faith and holding fast to the promises of God it should give us a new perspective on everything in our lives. 
Yes, there is darkness in our world, and we should not deny that fact, nor should we dull our awareness of injustice into a form of apathy. But like Paul, as people of faith, we have glimpsed in Christ the glorious future that God has for the world when the great positive possibility has finally carried the day. And as such, we can live in hope and not despair and not fear. We stay awake because we know salvation. We know salvation, God's grace and love expressed in our deeds of compassion, our words of comfort and kindness. We know these things can bathe our hurting world with a healing, restorative, and life-giving grace. One winter morning not long ago, I went hiking up there in the mountains, heavily wooded area of the mountains. And admittedly, I'm from Texas and anything below 85 is in the blue for me, but it was cold, okay? It was really cold that morning. And between the cloud cover and the canopy of trees, beams of sunlight and warmth were in very short supply and I was regretting what I was doing. Then as I sat down to rest, I felt a sudden, sudden warmth that startled me on, on my hands. And I looked down and I saw a thin single shaft of light beaming through and warming the back of my hand. Impossible, I thought. It's too cloudy for the sun to shine. Nevertheless, as I glanced over my shoulder, there it was, the sun peeking through the clouds, orange, gold, bright and as big as the world, shooting warming beams of light through the trees and providing a warmth that I could scarcely imagine. It was light dispelling cold and darkness. It was a light while yet not yet fully realized held a promise of warmth and glory that would soon break through those clouds and it would shower the world with light, energy, and life. And you know, during Advent, the notion of dissipating darkness is one that we model each Sunday as we light one additional candle, right up to the point where we light the Christ candle, signifying simultaneously the moment when the light of the world first came upon the earth and our hope that the light of the world will once again come and cast away every shadow of darkness. Advent, I'll say it again, is a season of hope. Hope that God's promised future will, in fact, arrive again as it did on that wonderful Christmas morning so long ago. Now, this might be the uncomfortable part. There's a challenge embedded in the text this morning. Paul calls us to wake up and put on Christ. Now I get it, sometimes waking up and facing the reality of the day is hard to say the least. Somewhere on the way from the seeming simplicity of the way life used to be and the overwhelming complexity of the way life is now, a lot of us have decided that it is just uh, too much to take in and so we pulled the covers over our head and went back to sleep. I know none of you have done that. Paul says, however, that we can't live like that anymore if we're to choose to follow Christ. He says that the light of day has dawned and we have to pull the covers off of our heads and get up and face the sunrise in the light of day. You see, we can no longer ignore the harsh realities of the world in which we live. And you know, I think part of the problem is that when we close our eyes to the hard things around us, 
the pain and the suffering, the fear, the hatred. We kind of also close our eyes to the good things around us, too. Yes, the light of Christ makes it clear that we can't sit idly by while others suffer. But it also brings, you remember the words, peace on earth and the tender mercy of God, as it says in Luke. The light that shines through Christ brings with it the joy and the hope and love that our faith in him brings to life in us. The light makes it clear that even now, in spite of all the suffering and tragedy in this world, Christ is, as it says in Revelation, making all things new. Our text this morning challenges all of us to wake up from our slumbers. We can no longer afford to linger in the various distractions that keep us stumbling around in the dark. We can't continue, for example, to blame others who are different from us simply because it's easy. Look out now. We can't continue to ignore the suffering around us because it's just too painful to watch. We can't continue to indulge our selfishness because it feels really good to do so. Now, the message of Advent is that with the coming of Christ, the day has dawned. And that means we have to throw the covers off our head and get out of bed and walk into this hurting world bearing the light that Christ wants us to bring into it through each one of us. And I realize, I realize there are a lot of people who try to do that all year long. I know that. And I'm not naive. I realize the immensity of the task can be overwhelming. I mean, there are just so many people that need help. And those thoughts, loved ones, can lead us right back to the cycle of feeling overwhelmed, pulling the covers over our head, and simply sleepwalking through this life. But the light of Christ that shines on Advent won't let us do that. It calls us to act, as Paul says, as people who live in the light of day. And I think part of what that means, at least, is that we live our lives in such a way as to bring the light of Christ to those around us. We live that way. And look, if you're having a hard time figuring out how to do that, well, then maybe the first step is to decide that you're going to treat the people around you Hear me now, all the people around you, regardless of creed, color, economic status, political affiliation, educational background, whatever, with respect and kindness, and most of all, compassion. It means that we're going to see the possibility in everyone. And that may not seem like much, but in our world, it feels like it's just ripping itself apart ripping itself apart at the seams from hostility, anger, even hatred. Maybe there's no better way for us to shine the light on the lives of the real people that we come in contact with every day. And you know what? Here's the good news. Regardless of who you are, regardless of how old you are or your station in life, beloved, seeing possibility in others, spreading a message of compassion and light is something that we are all, every single one of you in this room, is capable of doing. It really doesn't take much. I promise, it doesn't take very much at all. Sometimes even the smallest gesture, like that single beam of light on my hand, can shine a light into the darkest regions of someone's life and revive a feeling of hope. The smallest stuff, little stuff. In her little book, A Gift from God, 
Mother Teresa wrote these wonderful words. Some people came to Calcutta and before leaving, they begged me, tell us something that will help us live our lives better. And I said, smile at each other. Smile at each other. Smile at your wife. Smile at your husband. Smile at your children. Smile at each other. It doesn't matter who it is. And that will help you grow up in great love, she says, for each other. Now finally, there's one nerdy thing that I want to point out. I'm a grammar nerd. And there's something about the grammar here in this little ditty that caught my attention. I, 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 and I think it's fundamental to what Paul is, is doing here. I noticed that very subtly, all of the appeals, all of the imperatives in these verses are in the plural. What does that mean? Well, I think it means that Paul assumes community. He assumes community, this. Throughout Romans, I notice Paul describes healthy relationships, relationships with God to the earth, to ourselves and to others. And beloved, if we recognize mystery in our lives, if we live out that mystery of love, if we experience the transformation that comes through genuine relationships formed in community, then I promise you that our own love will flow spontaneously and without effort outward and reach others. And so beloved, here at the beginning of Advent, I hope you leave today with one question repeating itself in your mind. What time is it? You know what time it is. It is time to wake up from sleep. It is time to get up out of bed, get ready, get dressed, and get busy with the day. Put on the light of Christ and allow that hope and that light to shine in our world. And trust me, I know what it's like out there. I totally get what it's like out there. It's cold sometimes. But remember the old saying, there's no such thing as bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. <laughs> it's true. And as Paul paints this picture, it is still dark outside when the theological alarm clock goes off. But the day is near, but not quite here. And perhaps it is this mysterious moment here at the beginning of Advent when the darkness of night begins to give way to shadows and there's just enough light for knowledge that morning is right around the corner. It's a time of anticipation. And Paul urges his audience and all of us to action. Get up, get dressed, get ready, get busy. And the clothing that Paul wants us to put on is Jesus Christ, his life, his way of being, and the garments that we are to put on as we get ready for a future. What concerns Paul here is that we adopt a new and more honorable, compassionate way of life. So, beloved, put aside all the things that dull your senses, that draw your attention away from what's really going on. Put aside the quarreling, the jealousy, the bickering, all of those things that destroy relationship. Mm -mm. Here at the beginning of Advent, permit me to invite you into a time of glorious anticipation. Loved ones, the sun is rising and the light of the new day is upon us. The new day that God is bringing is a time when God and humanity will be reconciled, when peace, justice, and integrity will be the hallmarks of our existence. What Paul wants for the Roman Christians 
what my hope and prayer is for all of you here this morning is that we all would start living now, right now, as though this new day has already begun. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church or our vision to eradicate social isolation and disconnection by practicing the faithful presence of the incarnate Christ, please visit GoStAndrew.com. See you next week.